to quote Mahatma Gandhi, what he said, uh, that when you come with a new idea, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. Hello and welcome to The Ortho Show, where we share success stories from the world of orthopedics. Today on The Ortho Show, we are joined by Professor Ofer Levy from the Reading Shoulder Unit in sunny England. In our interview with Professor Levy, we discuss his development of his own reverse shoulder arthroplasty unit known as the Verso. He discusses with us some of the pitfalls and hurdles that he came across along the way and how he managed to overcome those to eventually launch the Verso and uh, commercialize it globally. Also in our interview, we discuss with Professor Levy where he sees the future of shoulder arthroplasty in general. Uh, It's a great interview. He's a very interesting chap, and we hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. So without further ado, Professor Ofer Levy, welcome to the Ortho Show. Welcome. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's uh, it's a great pleasure to be in your uh, Ortho Show. (laughs) <laughs> the greatest pleasure of your life, in fact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been ex- ecstatic all week. <laughs> it's not coerced in any way, this, uh, <laughs> that response. That's brilliant. So, Ofer, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you were involved with Steve Copeland back in the day uh, during the development of his shoulder resurfacing. Why don't you start by telling us something about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, it's funny, but but, you know, history goes in circles and 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 we never learn from history that's a problem um steve actually when he started to be interested in shoulders um realized that all the developments of shoulder replacements in the world i mean if you start from emil pean that was the first joint replacement in the world in in 1893 was done for infection then in Stanmore, they did the, the Jackson Barrows, the big prosthesis for, for tumors, when they resected tumors. And, and Charlie Near, on, on, on your side of the pond, developed the shoulder replacement for fractures, so to have a scaffold to fix the tuberosities. But none of these developments were designed for arthritis. And then Steve asked himself, well, what the problem in arthritis is? The arthritis is you just need a, a, you know, a, 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 a smooth surface to replace the rough surface of the end of the bone. And he said, well, why do you need a stem down the middle of the, the length of the arm? And, and then he said, well, let's do a surface replacement. And that's how he came with the idea of the surface replacement. And initially, I don't think that people realized, or people actually didn't believe him. People thought that he is completely lunatic. Um, uh, he, he carried on. He had all the good... Uh, um, uh, Finding with him, he did a lot of research, actually, um, but he couldn't. He couldn't publish anything about the, show, the, the surface replacement. And it, to me, it made a lot of sense when I heard about it. I wanted to use it in Israel, but the company that made it for him at the time was Zimmer. They weren't interested to to distribute it in Israel. Um, I mean, I again, I don't understand that, but I, I didn't understand at the time. And then I, I convinced Steve to change to change companies. And uh, he did. He listened to me, and he changed the companies. And uh, when he moved with this to um, to Biomet, um, 
the, as, as we said, the rest is history, uh, but it took about 15 years, and he probably needed me to support him, someone else, not, not the inventor himself, but someone that worked with him, to, to, to persuade the world. And, and uh, I, with all modesty, we have made a change in the world, as you can know, as you know now, uh, you know that the, the, the anatomic shoulders are going towards stemless prosthesis and, and you know, they're surfacing and stemless. And and we made a change of concept. Uh, before that, all the st- all the shoulders were stemmed, uh, and um, the history repeats itself. The same happened with uh, with Averso when I initially developed it with Biomed. They didn't understand what they have in the hands. Well, let's uh, let's let me ask you there uh, before we go into the the history of the Verso. What on earth was it that? inspired you uh, to want to create that so and, and when I say inspired you what was the problem that you were seeing and felt uh, compelled to solve well my again coming with the concept of the resurfacing of bone preservation and thinking about the future of the patient we you know I I try whatever I do try to do always something that has got a reverse gear that if something doesn't work, I can reverse back and 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 keep the patient in good in good shape or relatively good shape. So always thinking, always starting with a potential for revision in mind. And I should also note for all uh, listeners maybe that haven't heard of the Verso that the Verso is a reverse a stemless reverse shoulder system. Correct. Yeah. And and you know always have to think about what you do next. I mean, we are all great surgeons. We never fail, of course. Yeah. But, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes something can go wrong. It's not our fault and it's not, you know, but, but something can go wrong. And if it goes wrong, we have responsibility for the patient that we can do something for him. So if we do something that has got no reverse gear, uh, we are in trouble. I mean, the patient is in deep trouble, but we are in trouble as well as surgeons. And we have always have to bear it in mind. And 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 that's the concept that we we had with the, with the Copeland and the same concept with the Verso and and anything else that I'm doing I always think about what next what happens if it fails what what can I do then and I don't want to get to a stage where I'm at, uh, at the cliff edge and I said ah I've got nothing to do sorry ah that's it out, yeah. out of options so there were other so there were there other reverse shoulder systems on the market at the time? There was one. There was one at the time. There was the, the Gramon, the, the Delta, the first, uh, the first modern, I would say, reverse shoulder, because reverse shoulder is not a new concept. Uh, in the 70s, there were some reverse shoulders. Uh, some of them succeeded somehow, some of them less. Um, there was the, the Kessel prosthesis, which was not too bad. Uh, there was uh, the Kobel prosthesis from, in Germany, uh, from my friend Ronald Colbell. Uh, there was the Liverpool prosthesis, the Beto, uh, and even Charlie Near developed a reverse shoulder, with, but it never took off. Um, and and they didn't really take off very well. Uh, only the Kessel actually then been um, modified to the Bailey Walker that actually was still implanted up until a few years ago, until uh, um, Ian Bailey... Uh, retired, uh, but again, they had the problem of a very lateralized center of rotation, and then the fixation of the glenoid was uh, a bit problematic. Uh, but they, they, the idea was good, 
Um, and then Gromon was a game changer in that he moved the central flotation medially and used, used a large head uh, on the glenoid, a large glenosphere that sorted some of the problems, created others, um, but worked very well. And, and, and just as, a, as a, we talked about uh, Steve Copeland and nobody wanted to listen to him first, uh, you know that Gramon as well, nobody wanted to listen to him. And Gramon for, again, about 10, 15 years, nobody actually, everyone thought he's a lunatic. Nobody wanted to listen to him. Gramon, like Steve Copeland, initially couldn't publish any papers in an orthopedic journal. He only published on his reverse shoulders in rheumatology because none of the orthopedic journals would accept his papers. Uh, and I must say here again that for me, again, for the about 10 years, I was in this good, uh, very good company of Steve Copeland and Gramon because nobody wanted to publish anything about the Versa. But could you, uh, uh, over, could you then take us through the early stages of your development and uh, maybe talk about some of the first implants, the challenges you had, and maybe your early successes. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, the, going back to why I, I, I thought about it is because the, the, the reverse shoulder actually came into the into notion with, with Gramon again after many years. And uh, I, initially, uh, there was a good, this was a solution that we never had a solution for these patients before. Patients with calf tear atropathy that had pseudoparalysis, we, we didn't have much what to do with them. And therefore, I started to use this uh, uh, delta, but very cautiously, very selective patients, very old patients that I really hoped that they, um, the prosthesis uh, life, uh, uh, lifespan will, will exceed the, the lifespan of the patient. Um, but I was really, really uh, concerned about the amount of bone that I had to resect and remove in order to put these long stem, bulky stems into the the, the humeral shafts. And and I, I I thought I can do it much better. I can do it much better. We don't need to all this all this long stem. We we can you know just do a, a stemless implant because what we need is just the top of the bone. And and um, then I, I um, when I came to England, I, I came already with the idea, uh, with this idea, um, and I talked to Steve Copeland about it, and he said, well, "That's a great idea. Go for it." And it was just obvious that I will uh, approach the same company that makes the Copeland because it's a complementary, complementary uh, um, implant. So for the, Cop- the, the the cases that the Copeland will not work for. When the cuff is not the rotator cuff is not functional, the the versa will be the the best option. So uh, we approached um, Biomed, the, the 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 product manager at the time, and he within a few days he came with a with a one of the engineers to Reading, and he met with uh, with me, and um, uh, and I told them about my idea, and their first sentence to me was. Offer, you are ahead of your time. And I said, well, guys, in innovation, where should I be? I should be ahead of my time. Otherwise, it's not innovation. Uh, and I said, well, if you're not interested, don't worry. I'll go somewhere else. And no, 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 we, are, we want it. Yeah. And they actually, they parked me for several years without doing anything. So they, 
they they used to come back to me every several months after I was kicking them with some some prototype and some improvement, but they really really didn't move. So but, Ofer, you were you were working with Biomet in that. What did you arrive with? Just just drawings, or did you did you patent the idea yourself, or did you prototype? No, I didn't patent anything. I I was um, listen. I was young and naive, and uh, I um, I didn't patent anything. I just um, just trusted, and I just uh, gave them drawings, and I told them what I think needs to be done. And uh, but it 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 actually didn't move, and uh, because um, Steve uh, Copeland was involved with them and uh you know i didn't want to make too much fuss um uh, for him uh but uh, i was really upset and i asked him to kick them and uh, eventually what happened that in nine in 2003 when the delta the gramon delta the uh, got um end of 2003 got approval fda approval then the biomed guys the u.s biomed guys realized they need a reverse shoulder. Only then they realized they need a reverse shoulder. And then I believe someone said, oh, we have uh, this, this this mad guy in Reading. That, <laughs> yeah. And and then they came back to me and, and then started to move. Um, and um, it took uh, up to um, mid-2005. Again, it was supposed to be ready in, uh, in the end of 2004, but they worked really, really slow. But anyway... In 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 uh, in the mid 2005, I could I could implant the first one, and um, in patient. And there's a few nice stories about it, uh, because um, they promised me several times during at the beginning of 2005 that everything will be ready and and I can implant the first ones. And uh, I I prepared a few patients ready for that, so I had a few patients, and I selected deliberately very elderly patients that uh, were desperate to have something done and, and they were happy to try this new prosthesis that I thought will be, I mean, theoretically and, and, and from all the tests that we've done, that uh, will be good for them. Um, so um, one of the patients that was supposed to be the first patient, I, I talked to her about it and I said that if, if it will not be ready, we will have to do the the prosthesis that is on the market, which was the the, the Delta. And um, come the day of surgery, she arrives, uh, but unfortunately, Biomet uh, failed me, and they didn't provide me with the implant of that day. It was there was a delay, so um, I um, I had to go and talk to the patient and tell the patient that I won't be able to do that. And so after two or three postponements of the surgery, I decided enough is enough. I'm going to do a delta to this patient because I can't delay her more. It was about two or three months that I was delayed. And um, my fellow went to talk to the, to the patient. And uh, he went to talk to the patient and said, listen, uh, we're really sorry, but, you know, we don't want to delay you anymore. So Professor Levy will do the, the prosthesis it's in, uh, you know, already in the market, the delta, um, not to delay you anymore. And, and this, this lady told my fellow, no, 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 I'm happy to wait for the good one. <laughs> so... <laughs> She was. You'd already sold her on the verso. Yeah, my fellow came back and said, "I don't know how good surgeon you are, but you're good as a good salesman." <laughs> so what? Let, let's talk about patient selection. So he. So it sounds like let's just go through the stages here. You 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 had um you know you, they'd done they'd filed IP and presumably you guys had gone through a whole bunch of cadaveric testing and there'd been different prototypes yeah, we, and I mean, yes. 
yes. Yeah. We we did we did um, we. I, did a lot of, of biomechanical studies. We did uh, a lot of calculations and tests, and uh, we did um, numerous, numerous of cadaveric uh, uh, implantations and testing and all that. I mean, everything was really. I mean, I I didn't. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a uh, obsessive compulsive in this in this thing. I mean, I didn't let them move an, a millimeter. And we did all that. Uh, there's a funny story about that as well, because the, the patient that indeed was the first one, when I consented her for the operation, uh, I told her that we, you know, I think it will be the best for her. But but she was 93 years old, uh, with bright as 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 a youngster. I mean, she all her brain were per- she was perfect, really lovely lady, and um, uh, she I, she was convinced. But I told her, listen, we don't know. Um, how this will work because we we haven't done it in in patients yet. I told her we've done it numerous times on cadavers, and he said, "Hey, hey, hey, stop there! I'm not there yet." <laughs> Can you take us through that first patient? How it went? Um, was it successful? Were there any challenges? Yeah, you must have been nervous too. I mean, it's yeah. for first implantation. I was very nervous. I was very nervous. Um, um, you know, I, I felt confident of the implant. I did so many tests and so many times, and I was very confident. But you know, you always have butterflies in your in your tummy because uh, you don't know, you don't know, you never done it in, in 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 patients before, and it went smoothly. It went really nice, um, and this lady did fantastic. She was she was ninety three years old. Uh, she lived to be one hundred and one. And she was delighted throughout with the shoulder. Uh, and she became a very good friend of mine. And actually, to be honest, she persuaded the first 10 patients personally to have the operation. Well, I hope you gave a commission. <laughs> uh, no, but I'll tell you, she passed away. I mean, in the, um, the um, course that we did, uh, she passed away. This was 2005. Uh, she passed away in the course that we did in 2013. She just she passed away a month before the course or something. And uh, I actually dedicated the session on on reverse shoulder replacement uh, and called it on her name. So it was the, oh, the retail. Yeah, uh, and and the family was was really really happy uh, because. She was really a, a, a big supporter of the implant. I mean, it was like she was so delighted with with the, she she was she she said that we we gave her a new life, you know, and um, uh, she 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 was really a, a great supporter. Yeah, I like that story. So over when when you know keeping on the patient theme here, yeah, when is the right time, in your opinion, for someone to select a verso or in fact any reverse atherplasty system? What's the well, right patient uh, demographic? And to, to be honest, to be honest, it uh, this has evolved because um, when I started, of course, I had no idea how it will work, uh, how it will be how it will be on the long term, if if the survivorship of the implant will be good, if the results will be good. So I was very selective, and I selected only end stage shoulders that had no other choice, nothing whatsoever, and uh, typically more elderly patients that hopefully the prosthesis will last for the rest of their lives. Uh, having now almost 14 years under my belt, things have changed. Now I know that it works 
brilliant for many many years we have we haven't seen any deterioration over the years uh it's uh, it's a stemless implant so we preserve all the bone stock so in my mind there is no limitation because it it's better than to put a stem anatomic shoulder in a young patient because we don't lose anything so uh if if that's the what's the indication if the patient got um, deficient rotator cuff for various reasons. Is, is it uh, after fracture sequela, um, post-traumatic um, rheumatoid arthritis, or calf tear arthropathy, or, or, or osteoarthritis with, with uh, calf tear or calf deficiency, then I have no hesitation to use the Verso because it's much, much more preser- bone-preserving and tissue-preserving than to put the standard stemmed implant uh, into into the in someone's arm, um, if the rotator cuff is in is intact or functioning, then I will consider to do a resurfacing, and then if this fails over the years, then we can always revise it to a verso. So actually, it's actually thinking about the journey of the patient's shoulder through the years, through life, and and you know. Preserving all the all the options for the for the future, so you know you have stage B, stage C, and 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 and, and further. Yeah. Can you over? I I noticed in your uh, case series publication, which I think was a few years back, yeah. the the youngest patient was in their early thirties. Is that correct? Well, uh, in the in the case series, the youngest patient was thirty eight. Thirty eight. Um, yeah, my youngest patient. To date, is was thirty three. Thirty three. Okay, yeah, so that's really young, and and it was already he had already four operations before that. One of them was already a shoulder replacement, hmm. and uh, this guy is is uh, is doing really well. He's back. He was a painter and decorator. I mean, he, he, his injury initially was a fracture, a, a four part fracture, uh, in a car in a car crash. Um, I operated on him all the operations. Uh, the first one, by the the book, I should have done a stemmed hemiautoplasty because it was an unreconstructable fracture. But he was 17, so I, I wouldn't... My, my, my conscience didn't allow me to do that. So I tried to fix him. And obviously, he developed avascular necrosis. And then uh, I did um, a resurfacing on him. And this lasted about 12 years. Uh, and then he, he lost the cuff, the, the rotator cuff, and he, he he couldn't lift his arm to the horizontal. So he was a painter and decorator. He couldn't work. He just he could actually paint only the lower part of the walls. He had to employ someone to do the upper walls and the ceilings. And at that stage, he was in pain as well, and he said he can't carry on like that. And we discussed what to do. And then, to be honest, I wasn't very keen to do a reverse shoulder on a 33 years old. But uh, he convinced me that if even if I give him only two good years, he will be happy. And then he said, and if worse come to worse, you can bring me back where I am now. I said, well, yes. So he said, okay, go for it. And we did it. And um, he he must be now about six or seven years later. And um, working, happy, has got nearly full range of movement, delighted. Um, again, I don't know if this will last for the rest of his life because he's very young. And, and every artificial joint will have a, a limited lifespan. We don't know what it is, but we probably will have to do something in the future. But if we have to do, it might be on, only replacing the, the liner, the plastic liner, 
Or if we have to do something more than that, still he's got all the bond stock there, so everything is open. We can do whatever we, we would like. Can you can you tell us something about your uh, complication rates, maybe your dislocation infections, and how that might compare to other shoulder replacements? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm very pleased to say that the 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 complication rate is pretty low, and um, I think it's partly to do with the simplicity of the implant and the simplicity of the technique. Uh, the the more simple you keep it. The, less places for errors and mistakes uh, uh, happen. Um, we had um, overall um, um, three cases of dislocations, and these were very early in the series. We had um, uh, one, uh, um, uh, or actually there were altogether two infections, um, one was a revision case that the shoulder was infected. The previous, the original uh, index shoulder was total shoulder was infected to start with. Um, and there was another lady that was doing really well after surgery, and about um, ten months after surgery, developed infection following uh, dental treatment. We um, uh, we had. Um, uh, a few periprosthetic fractures, like uh, because um, this elderly, uh, as I tend to say, we live on planet Earth. If we lived on the moon, there was no problem with that. But here, there's gravity, and old people fall down. And if they fall down and they have a prosthesis, they will fracture uh, in the stress riser between the metal and the bone. So if they have a stemmed implant, they will fracture in the mid shaft of the of the humerus, which is something that usually will uh, will necessitate surgery to fix it. Uh, if they have a metaphyseal uh, implant like the Verso, they will fracture in the metaphysis. And in most of these cases, it can be treated conservatively and will heal around the prosthesis. Is there an area of reverse shoulder arthroplasty that's ripe for improvement? I mean, there's always, you know, it seems to me in all surgeries, there's always an, the, the next stage. What's what's the one area that we need to address next? Or or do you think we're there? Uh, I Well, I think that we are, we are, I mean, at least I can, you know, talk for the, for the world. So we are, there's always place for improvement. Um, and, and it's very difficult to, to, um, to, uh, for the, for the designer, for the inventor to, to, um, you know, I, I know this operation inside out and outside in. I mean, I, I can do it blindfolded, but it's not, uh, I have to think about how to make it easier to the occasional surgeon as well. So the Verso is, is quite easy. And we I had it in mind when I designed all the, the instrument set. And the instrument set is very simple and very intuitive. And um, and actually, there are only two trays that are in, in the order of use, so it's easy for the nurses to learn and to do as well. But there are a few steps that you can improve, like uh, doing a pre-planning, a 3D pre-planning, which it's something that we are working now on, on that. So we, to do a pre-planning uh, on, on CT scan, on the computer, and then uh, use that to have a, a pre-planned jig to put the implant exactly where you want and not leave anything to the mistake or movement of the hand of the surgeon. Uh, that's where we, I think, will be improve, improvements. 
um, uh, and, and and that's something that we are working on. Um, so, over, have you got any advice for aspiring surgeon inventors? Yeah, always. If you think about something, continue with that. Don't stop. Don't listen to someone who try to put you off from that. If you are sure that you just carry on. A. B. Try to get w- with you um, some other colleagues to ask the, them advice and all that. Um, I would say, actually, try to join a small company that will listen to you and will take you quickly. Uh, maybe they are not as wealthy as the big ones, but they are more maneuverable and, and quicker. Uh, and and don't stop dreaming. If you have a dream, go for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's solid okay. advice. Yeah. Don't stop dreaming. I like that. Although, don't don't do the surgeries blindfolded, as Ofer Levy was talking. Don't dream that much. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't do it. Don't do it as well. Yeah. Well, Ofer, um, uh, thank you so much for your time. I, I, you know, we've enjoyed this uh, journey. You know, we're we're trying to do more and more interviews with surgeon inventors and and hear about their experience of how to bring their their crazy idea, as you call it, all the way to market. And I think. Um, you know, the Verso is one of those such journeys. And of course, you're producing all kinds of data all the time. So I really do encourage people listening to go and take a look at the Reading Shoulder Unit website. Uh, what is that? Can you remind me again? What is the Verso's uh, website? Because it's not just Verso.com, is it? It's No, it's 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 IDorth.com. IDORTH.com. Perfect. There's one, one thing I wanted to say, I mean, uh, about the... The verso, like, or about any any other new idea, it's it's to quote Mahatma Gandhi, what he said uh, that when you come with a new idea, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. So I hope that we are in the winning phase now. Perfect. Yeah, I certainly hope so. We're going to interview Mahatma Gandhi, are we? Yeah, no. he's next up. <laughs> he's next. He's next week. <laughs> he's next. Yeah. Yeah. Ofer Levy, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you it. very much. It was great speaking thank to you. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you.